You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. All right. Well, hello, Grace Family Church, and happy Mother's Day. Yeah, we, I know everybody's still crying from the last song. That was incredible. Uh, so we are, we're so excited that we are here with you today. We just want to welcome everyone here in this room, those of you that are watching online, of course, at all of our seven campuses. And I just want to do a quick shout out to our Orlando Lakes campus. They have been growing so much that they actually have to add. Next week, they are adding another Sunday service. So they're going to be in three services. Yeah, give it up for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am, uh, I'm Hal Mayer. I'm the campus pastor of the Temple Terrace campus, and this is my wife, Chrissy Mayer, who is our, apparently more popular than me, our global couples director. Yes, I am so excited to be here with you guys. And I also just want to shout out all of the spiritual mamas in the room, to all of the adopted aunties, to all of the mentors. I encourage you, if you've had the the pleasure of having someone in your life like that, a woman, I encourage you to reach out to them today too, to honor them this weekend. I know I've already reached out to all of my people. Maybe you need to reach out to an old teacher or maybe a coach or maybe an old youth leader, but I encourage you to do that. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the people who have been those people in my life. So to Marilyn Henders and to Sue Ferguson and Carrie Williams, you guys have all been such a gift in my life. So for Chrissy and I, sports were a part of our high school identities of what we did. We did a lot of sports. I did basketball. And I really, I think this is the same thing for everybody. In sports, the fun part is the game, right? The fun part is the game. The less fun part is the practice. And then the really not fun part, if you played like year round sports is you had to go through something called conditioning. Uh, Some of you know what I'm talking about. Conditioning is that time where you didn't get to play the sport. You just got ready for the sport by running a lot. Did they have conditioning and cheerleading? Okay, so cheerleading is a sport, first of all. I would just like to say that. Thank you, all the other cheerleaders in the room. You had to get those smile muscles going. I did play other sports, though, too. No, I'm playing. And so and we had conditioning. I remember every summer we would have conditioning and you were not allowed to use a basketball. You were not allowed to use a basketball. And so we would go out to the track and we would run until like someone threw up. I know nowadays the kids get water breaks like every 15 minutes. Our coach was like, no, thirst is just weakness. No, no, it, it, you're right. It is. It's a weakness. And so we would go inside and then we would run sprints. I remember one time our coach actually said, hey, we're going to play a game. And we got excited. He goes, no, we're going to just act like we have the ball and pass it to each other and work on the defense. And, and then we would work out in the weight room. It was just on top of workout, on top of workout, sprinting on top of sprinting. It was not fun at all. But what we understood was this. If we did the conditioning, the season would be better. If we did the conditioning, we would have enough endurance. We'd have the ability to get through the fourth quarter. We'd be able to get through to the end. We would have a better record. We would play better if the conditioning was right. See, here's what I think, is that in the Christian life, there's conditioning. There is preparation for what God is going to do. But we don't call it conditioning. We don't call it preparation. Here's what we tend to call it. We tend to call it the valley. We tend to call it the weight. We tend to call it the struggle. And many times we are in that place and we're in that tough time where we're going, God, I just want you to get me out of this. But what God is actually doing in that time is he's preparing us for something more. Now, how do you know you're in that place? Well, you start to ask questions to God. You go, God, are you done with me? Did you forget about me? God, do you really have something more for me? And then for some of you in the room that have been sitting in that place for a long time, the questions, they get tougher. You go, God, are you really in this? God, are you really here? God, why is this happening to me? 
God, I thought this was going to be different. And here's the biggest problem that we have. We fail to see the weight as a part of God's plan. We fail to see the preparation as a part of God's plan because it's not a part of our plan. See, God goes, no, 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 your plans are not my plans. My plans are gonna be something different. And so what we learn over time is God has a different plan for our life because we had a plan for our life. Yep, before we got married, we had our plan. We had always dreamed of having two biological kids of our own, and we were open to conversations about possibly adopting someday. So when our firstborn was about a year old, we decided that we would start trying again for our second. So that summer, though, I also happened to come across a little book called Restless, written by Jenny Allen. And Hal and I, we are actually about two years on the other side of a healing and and freedom journey. We had just dealt with a lot of um, pain and baggage from our past, which we actually spoke about last Mother's Day. And if you haven't, you can check that out on our YouTube channel. Um, But we were just on the other side of that. And so starting to dream more about the future, but God started to use this book that summer in 2014 to start to plant something deep down on the inside of me. God started to give me um, a passion for those who were believing the same lies that I had once believed, for those who were caught up in cycles of addiction, for those who were fighting um, generational cycles. And although this had not been a part of my story, he also started to break my heart for those who were incarcerated. Because even though this hadn't been a part of my story, it hadn't been a part of anybody in my family's story, I did know full well what it felt like, what it looked like to live in my own self-made prison. So while trying to grow our own family and trusting in God's timing, I chose to trust that he still had work for me to do right in the middle of the wait. And thus begun my adventure with God in the middle of the wait. But days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. And for some of my closest friends and even my family members, there was announcement after announcement. There was baby shower after baby shower. And now we have gender reveal after gender reveal. And an entire year and a half went by. And finally, we were pregnant. And we were so excited and we were also so relieved. But in our excitement, Mother's Day was coming up and we were excited to share that with our parents. And we had our son, this cute little shirt that was made that said Big Brother on it. We took a picture of him in it and had it framed. We were gonna gift it to them and that's how we were gonna surprise them on Mother's Day. So on the evening of Mother's Day, everything changed. When I started to feel a real deep, sharp pain on my left side and in my heart, I just knew that something wasn't right. And the first thing that I did the next morning, I called the doctor and they tried to calm me down and say, ma'am, I'm sure everything is fine, but I demanded to have an ultrasound done. And so I went into the doctor's office and she quickly, um, the ultrasound tech found the heartbeat and put it over the speaker. It was the first time that I had ever heard the heartbeat and then she grew quiet. And she left the room and she came back with the doctor and the doctor came to me and said, well, the good news is we caught it in time, but you need to go to the emergency room right away to take care of it. See, what has happened is that the baby is actually implanted in one of your tubes, which is called an ectopic pregnancy, and it's not a viable pregnancy. So the baby will not survive, and if not taken care of quickly enough, you could actually rupture and bleed internally and die. So that was the coldest and loneliest hospital room 
I've ever been in. And the nurse said that they would have to administer one shot in each of my legs in order to take care of it. And I kept hearing this phrase thrown around and I was like, take care of it. Can someone explain to me what that even means? Well, the nurse went on to say, what that means is that the medicine will actually go and take care of any rapidly dividing cells. Rapidly dividing cells, you mean a baby? So now as they administered these shots, I imagine this medicine making its way to the heartbeat that I had only heard a few hours before. God, why? Do you see me here, God? You say that you are good, but this does not feel good. How could you possibly bring any good from this place? God, don't leave me here. Well, we were told to wait about three weeks. No, it was three months, right? Three months before trying again. And time was ticking and we had our plan. So we knew what to do and when to do it in order to get the result that we were wanting. (laughs) So we had our plan. And so it was on October 14th of 2016 when I actually went in for a regular ultrasound visit with a fertility specialist. And it was to my surprise then when they said, ma'am, both of your tubes are actually severely blocked and it is going to be hardly likely that you will ever give birth ever again. And I remember thinking, um, excuse me, you might wanna go back. I think you have the wrong girl. You have the wrong folder because see, we came in and we had this all set up. Like we we had a plan. We had the dates already decided and this, this was not part of the plan. I think you have the wrong girl. Have you ever had a plan and instead you felt like you crashed up against a brick wall? Some of you in here today would say, yeah, Christy, it feels like I've actually been banging up against a brick wall for a really long time. On the car ride home, I remember feeling so confused, so angry, so frustrated that I didn't seemingly have any control over my own body that I had this diagnosis that no one could explain how it happened, why it happened, and it had pretty much a bleak outcome when no one would say there was really any great protocol to recommend that had any lasting results. So what do you do? Well, my first thought was, God, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this because in four days, our church was supposed to be launching the prison ministry. And in just four days, I knew that we were supposed to be hosting services at Hernando Correctional. But I was like, you know, God, I just don't know if I have or want any part of it. I don't know if I have it in me. God, are you even there? Do you even care? God, I gave my life to you. We just came out from this season where you freed me and you healed me from my past. God, I've surrendered everything to you. I've given you everything. And look at all of this that I have been doing for you. Me and you, God, we've been running hard and fast. Don't you see me? I've been doing all the right things. I've been checking off all the right boxes. Why are you allowing this to happen? See, that night in my dreams, God gave me a vision of a sea of women's faces in blue. And I knew in my heart that those were the faces of the women that I was supposed to meet with our team at HCI. And I knew in that moment that I had a decision to make, was I going 
to just sit and wait for God to move and come through? Or was I just gonna take one more step of obedience? You see, I knew the hope that our team was fixing to rattle the walls of that compound with, but you know who else also knew that? Our enemy. So I decided that I was just gonna get back up, that I was just gonna get back up and continue to walk it out. And little did I know that that would be the beginning of a seven year journey walking out our weight. So the question really is this, is what do you do when the present doesn't look like the promise? What do you do when, when you are sitting in the present, you're going, God, this doesn't look at all like what you promised me. I mean, I know, I know this, just by statistics, there's many of you uh, at our church that are going through the same thing. You, you're going through infertility issues. I know it's something that is going on, but for maybe for some of you, it's a different health issue. I mean, maybe for some of you, the doctor said it was cancer, the doctor said it was a heart issue, and you're going, no, 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 this is not what God meant for my life. Maybe for some of you, it's an emotional roller coaster that you're on. You're dealing with depression, you're dealing with fear, you're dealing with anxiety, and you're wondering, why, why do I continue to listen to the lies that the enemy tells me? Or maybe for some of you, it's relational. You're going, how? I have spent so many years in this marriage trying so hard to make it work, but nothing ever changes, God. You know, I've spent so many years trying to pray for my child because they are far away from you, but they have just not come back to you. Or maybe you're single and you're going, wait, I, I just, why am I not found my someone yet? Everybody else seems to find their someone. People who don't follow you as well as I do are finding their someone but I haven't found my someone yet. And we, we ask the question, you know, what am I supposed to do right now when the present doesn't look like the promise I believe you have for me? And what the Bible tells us to do is very simple. Very simple, but very hard to do. It says to hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hebrews 10, 23 says it this way. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of hope unswervingly, for he who promised is faithful. Now, when I say hold on to the hope, I'm not invalidating your pain or what you're walking through. I'm not saying it, it, holding on to hope is just smiling and acting like nothing is wrong. Not at all. Here's what hope is. Hope is realizing that in the middle of the situation, God's still working. That in the middle of what you're going through, he's still moving. See, and when we hold on to hope, we actually get to see the miracles in the middle of the wait. Because just because you're in the wait doesn't mean God's not still moving. See, God still wants to work in the wait. In fact, here, here's the first thing that he wants to do. In the middle of the wait, he wants to work through you. In the middle of our wait, he wants to work through us. James 1, 2 to 4 says it this way. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, look, James is not a sadist. He's not saying, hey, when something bad happens, you should just smile and be giddy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, when something bad happens, you can have a joy understanding that we serve a God that can make anything good. That even in the worst things, he can make it something good. And so when our present didn't look like the promise, it's interesting how God started orchestrating things because from October to January of that year, we started just running into people who were in foster care. We, we ran into a social worker. We ran into a guardian ad litem. We had two people who had fostered before sitting in our living room talking about that. We had a young adult in our ministry who was single and was fostering two kids. 
And so we heard about this and we went to the orientation. We heard about the need. If you know about Hillsborough County, there's a massive need for the number of kids that are coming into the system and the fact that they don't have enough homes for it. And we, and we hear about it and we feel that God's putting this on our heart. And so we asked the question very simply, why not us? Yes, so when Mother's Day came around that year, our prison ministry team actually had the honor of spending that Sunday with the mothers. And I remember the previous weekend when we were there for worship services, just the amount of women who were just so overwhelmed with shame and grief that they carried because they had actually lost their children to foster care either before they entered incarceration or while they were incarcerated. They were just so overwhelmed with the thoughts that they had no idea where they were or who was taking care of them or when they would ever be able to see them again. So in the middle of the wait, God was giving me an opportunity to speak to loss because I knew of loss. And he was giving me the words to be able to speak to their loss as well. So in the middle of the wait, though I didn't quite realize it at the time, God was actually starting to change my heart towards the moms that we would soon meet because again, I knew of loss and I would be able to speak to their loss as well. And later that month, we were officially licensed. And here's what's interesting. We knew the need was great and they told us this may happen, but we were licensed and within three hours, we got a phone call. Three hours, we get a phone call. They're like, we have a three-month-old and a three-year-old boy to come to your house. And we're like, okay. And they came like 10, 11 o'clock at night. They come in, it was just, it was crazy. And what was interesting, I love to talk to the people that drop the kids off to figure out who is more scared, the boys or us. Yes. Because it's like, I hey, what's <laughs> up? Yes, so, so awkward, so unnatural. But later that week, we were actually supposed to meet our boy's mom. We were supposed to have our first visitation, our first play date, and God put it on my heart remembering the women who were incarcerated to just write her a letter, to write her a letter that I would give to her at the play date just to say, hey, mom, you're mom. We're not here to be mom and dad. We are here to advocate for you. We are here to be your biggest cheerleader. We just wanna be the best auntie and uncle that we can be while you continue to work on getting healthy. See, when you allow God to work through you in the middle of your weight, you start to realize that you can actually show up in your purpose no matter what the season is. And all of a sudden you start to become awakened to the people around you that are connected to you, that when you just, in your faithfulness, you just keep showing up, you just keep being obedient with your people and in your places, each step of obedience is just going to lead to a next step of obedience. See, God, he wants to work through us. And here's what's incredible about God is as he's working through us, he starts to change us. He starts to change us. So in the middle of the wait, he works through us, but also in the middle of the wait, he works in us. He works in us. Romans 5, 3 to 5, it's a promise in that. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Not, once again, not a giddy rejoicing, but an understanding, a joy, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. See, when we walk what God has asked us to walk, he gives us endurance, he gives us hope. Yes, so each Mother's Day that came around, ultimately, I would have to make a decision. Was I going to continue to get bitter or was I going to make the decision to love those around me better? And what I mean by that is that hope 
in the middle of your waiting season is an act of rebellion. Hear that. So I would get creative. I would get intentional about loving our moms on Mother's Day, trying to say again, hey, your mom, I am not. We are just here to, to love you and walk through this with you, not denying our very real pain, still sitting in the tension of all that came with that very specific day. But you know what? We decided that we're not gonna let the enemy win that I'm not gonna let my pain become an idol, that I don't wanna end up worshiping the expectation of what the giver could give more than the giver himself. So a few years went by and several reunifications actually, and two more of our boys would return home to their mom and we had play dates. We actually, they became kind of an extended part of our family. We would talk regularly. They came to church with us. Mom was doing great. She was attending all of her classes. It was a very real possible idea that she was gonna be graduating on time. She was setting some really good boundaries for her and her family. And then all of a sudden, one day I got a phone call. I got a phone call and she said, Chrissy, I'm pregnant again. And I don't think I can do this. What do you mean you don't think you can do this? I thought to myself. She said, I'm going to get an abortion. I just can't start over again. And I remember thinking, God, am I being punked? God, you know my story. What am I supposed to do with this? God, why would you have me walk alongside her with this? And he said, because you're the girl for the job. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna love the heck out of her and you're gonna fight for her, and you are gonna pray for that baby. And guys, I have prayed harder for that child more than I have prayed for anything in my entire life, more than I have prayed for anything that I have prayed for myself. And in the end, mom ended up choosing life. But I just wanna sit on this for a minute. If abortion has been part of your story, I just wanna say I'm sorry. That I'm sorry that you were ever in a situation where you were chosen, had to choose or make such a hard decision. I've never been in that position. But I think I speak on behalf of everyone in our church that says you belong here that you are welcome here. And if you struggle with shame and guilt in your story, that does not have to identify your story because God calls you chosen and he still has a plan and a purpose for your life. But if you are wanting to take next steps in that healing journey, we have a care group here at Grace called Surrendering the Secret. And we have plenty of women who would love to walk with you through that journey. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's a journey that you need to revisit, but they are here and willing and praying for you and want to walk with you through that journey. So I remember on September 7th of 2019, God actually put it on my heart and said, you know what? You're gonna throw her the biggest baby shower she has ever seen. And she had never had a baby shower before because her two previous kids, she was a young mom. She had her youngest when she was only 14. And again, he said, you're just gonna keep on loving her. And that is exactly what we did.
And I think that's what they felt, was they felt the love. They felt the, the love that God had for them through what we did. And we know that because the next weekend, I got to baptize her and her boyfriend. Yeah, right out there. Right out there. <laughs> and And that's when we talk about, there's miracles in the middle. There's still something God wants to do. See, by the end of 2020, though, we had fostered 14 kids in five years. And the last two are actually the two toughest. They should have been in a medical care home. And they really just, they took everything out of us. And so we took a break. We took a six-month break. And we really wanted to ask God, is this still something that you want us to do? And I remember we had, we were coming up on Easter. And every year before, every time before Easter, 21 days before, we have a time of prayer and fasting. We decided to pray and fast and ask God, is this something you still want us to do? God, is this still something you want us to do? Because if it's your will, if it's your plan, we're gonna continue to do it. Even if we don't get what we want, what we desire, we wanna do what you have called us to do. See, when we allow God to work into, in us, he, he does three very distinct things. He does this, he does first, he, he exposes our idols, he does, which are coping and control. Coping is this, is what do you run to when things are out of control? What do you go to? What addiction or thing or person do you run to when things are out of control? Because God, what God wants to show you is you shouldn't be running to that. You should be running to me. See, control is also an idol because we like to be in control. Like, what do you do when things get out of hand? Do you take things back from God? Or in the same way, do you try to manipulate God? Do you tell God, hey, if I do this, then you do this? I'll be honest with you. For part of me, I thought, man, we start fostering for a year. God's just gonna work a miracle and Christy's gonna get pregnant. But that's just me trying to control the narrative and God's going, I have a different story for your life. See, you're also transformed. I think many times we look at the Christian life when we go, well, the moment that we decide to give our lives to Christ, that's when he transforms us and he does. He, he starts that transformation, but for the rest of our life, there is transformation. The church word for it is sanctification, which means every single day, every single month, every single year for the rest of your life, he starts to change us and renew us and make us somebody that is absolutely new. And here's what we know. Guys, we know this. Growth never happens in the easy times, right? It, it never happens in the easy times. It always happens in the tough times. But here's the last thing that he does. He, he, we start to develop a desperation to see his glory, which is this. I start to, to want God's name to be known. I start to understand that my will only accomplishes what I want when I do what God wants me to do. It affects so many more. And I start to see what he is doing. See, in the middle of all this, there's a component that we don't like. In the middle of the way, there's something that we have to do, and it's, it's a word we don't like. It's obedience. See, God doesn't want us to just sit in the wait. I think when we say the wait, we have this idea that we're just sitting there waiting for God to move, and until God moves, we don't move. That's not true at all. See, God is calling each of you to something in the wait. He's going, I have a plan for you. I have something for you to do, and this is what I want you to do. And what we do is we do that thing knowing that he is faithful. And if you're sitting here going, but how, what are you saying? Like, if, I, if I'm dealing with this, I need to go into foster care. I don't, I don't even like kids. No, please don't go into foster care. I gotta go into prison ministry. No, that's not what I'm saying. Look, God has put something on each of our hearts. Each of our hearts, each of our minds. And if you're in here and you're going, or you're watching online or one of our campuses, and you're going, well, I don't know what God has called me to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, I wanna give you the cheat code. Next week on all the campuses, we have something called Discovering Grace where they're gonna talk about your people, your purpose, and your place. And they're gonna talk about all the areas you can get involved here in the church and outside the church. And what you do is you go into that and you ask God, God, show me what it is that I need to be involved in. And he can put on your heart your next step. 
So that brings us to our last and final point. But in the middle of the wait, you can be sure that God is working all around you. I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. Isaiah 43, 16 through 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Because we can miss it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So it was Mother's Day again. In May of 2021, a little boy named Dee came to us. He was a year and a half and his story was much different than all of the other kids that we have had before. His story was a very broken one. We still have not met his first mama to this day and she is still a big part of my heart and barely a day goes by where I don't think about her and pray for her. But in the middle of the wait, when we didn't know where this story would lead, on October 14th of 2022, D finally became Daxton Mayer. And that was seven years to the date, guys. Seven years to the date that I was told by a fertility doctor that we would never have children of our own again. See, while you wrestle, God is redeeming. While I didn't know it at the time, while we were wrestling, God was redeeming all things. It turns out the day that we threw that shower for that one mom, the day that we had thrown that shower for that child that I had prayed for harder than anything I had prayed for in my entire life, that that was the day that Dee's first mom was in labor. While you wrestle, he is redeeming. See, when I went and I read um, this book in 2015, I went back and I looked over some of my notes and I prayed this prayer called anything. And in preparing for today, I went and I pulled it out. But one of the questions in here says, looking back over all your painful experiences and the lies that you have believed, write down what you would say to the person on the other side of your faithfulness. Friends, seven years of faithfulness, hear me, not perfection. I was a mess, we were a mess. It was really messy. But seven years of faithfulness, fighting the, the lies that threatened to have me just sit this one out and wait on God or the temptation to become bitter, to turn away from him. Instead, we just chose to trust to take just one next step of obedience so that one day we could look that little boy in the face and I could read him the words that I wrote seven years ago. That you are worthy of being known and pursued. That you are chosen and that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Friend, I don't know what you are waiting on I don't know what you are wrestling with, but let me be clear that God is readying you in your weight. So just keep walking it out. Just keep walking it out. Just keep walking it out because your faithfulness is what ultimately sets the stage for miracles in motion. See, infertility was not a part of God's perfect plan. 
You know, when sin came into the world, it changed everything. There's pain, there's suffering. It, it changes the world around us. The infertility was not the perfect plan that God had for our lives in the same way. In the same way, it, it wasn't God's perfect plan for Dax either. See, he had two parents that God purposely put in that place. And I still remember listening to the Zoom call and hearing his dad relinquish his rights. And there was a sense of relief because that absolutely needed to happen because he had no ability to take care of Dax. But in the same time, I, I was feeling sorry. I, I was feeling sorrow because I knew he was giving something that God had given to him. See, what God did is he took the mess. He took the brokenness of two different situations and he pieced it together into something beautiful. See, guys, I, I'm not saying... <laughs> that we are special, but our God is. And what our God does is this, is he takes what the enemy means for evil and he uses it for good. See, what God allows us to do, and guys, this is the biggest miracle in the wait, is we get to have a relationship with him. We get to walk with the God who is all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful because of what Jesus did on the cross. And look, I just wanna make sure we have some correct theology here because I know many have heard from maybe pastors in the past that if you really love God and you do what he says, you're gonna have a perfect life. That does not happen. That is not in the Bible. God does not promise a perfect life, but he does promise you when you go through the trials and when you go through the pain, you get to walk with the one who is perfect. We get to walk with God. See, it's in the hardest times where we rely on God the most, where we get to see him the most. See, when we go through the way, we come out of it different. We look different. We act different. We speak differently. So what if we tried? What if we decided we're going to stop trying to just get out of the way, try to just circumvent the way, and instead we sat in the way understanding that God is working something for a purpose? See, what if we started believing that our setback was not a setback, but a set up for something that God is going to do? The fact that he is going to set us apart for a purpose and a reason in our lives. What if we stop believing that the weight was less? See, make no mistake, the valley will always prepare you more than the mountaintop for what God wants to do in your life. And we can't see the weight as an interruption, but a part of what God is doing in our lives. So how do we walk out the weight? Three things that sound easy that are tough. First one is remember. We remember what God has already done. The fact that he's already done miracles, whether it be in our lives or other people's lives, and we know this, what he has done before, he will do again. The second thing we do is we rest. How do you rest in the middle of the wait? How do you rest in the middle of the problems? Here's what you do. You take everything that you shouldn't be carrying anyway, and you give it to God. And when we give it to God, he gives us a peace that we can't understand. And then we ready ourselves for the promises that he has promised us. See, when you look throughout the Bible, you know this. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He goes, I promise you that anything that happens in your life, no matter how bad it is, if you walk with me, I can turn it into something good. And so we do these three things. We remember, we rest, and we ready ourselves for his promises. But maybe for some of you in this room, you've yet to take that first step. See, in order to walk with God, we've got to start that relationship with him. We've got to commit our lives to him. And maybe you're sitting here going, you know what, you're right, Hal, because I'm in the wait, I'm in the problem, and I realize I can't handle it myself. I need something more. So what I want to do right now and across all campuses, I just want to say a prayer out loud that you can say quietly right where you're at and start a relationship with God. 
So I, I, I could just ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you wanna start that relationship today, I'm gonna say a prayer out loud that you can say quietly right where you're at. Dear God, I know that I've sinned. Please forgive me. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for my sins. That today I'm committing my life to you. God, please take my troubles, my mess, and make it something beautiful. God, we thank you for loving us first. And in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, is the greatest decision you will ever make. And at the end of the service, we'd love to give you some next steps on how to follow him. So what do you do when the present doesn't look like the promise? You hold on to hope. You hold on to hope. You hold on to hope because you know that a waiting season is never a wasted season. Some of you in here might be wondering, Chrissy, what's this prayer of anything that you keep talking about and how talked about salvation, but this is where surrender comes in. I love this quote in the book that I referred to earlier. It says, those of us who have been saved have been set apart for a great purpose. And that great purpose is not actually a secret, that we are to know God and make him known. So we do not dream independently and God does not sign off on our dreams. No, he is the very builder of our dreams. So what do we do? We take our blank canvases to him and we say, God, whatever you must do, whatever is going to get you the most glory, God, do it. Have your way in my life. I imagine today, what if you told God that you would give him everything? And that no matter what, even if things don't work out according to your plan, would you trust him? Friend, I believe that in this moment that God is inviting some of you to play your part in the most epic story that he is wanting to write in your life, but also in the lives of those around you. Because I wonder, who is on the other side of your faithfulness and your obedience? Sometimes I sit back and I think about all that I could have missed out on. All of the lies that I was tempted to pick up in the weight that were gonna hold me back and hold me down. I thought things like, oh, well, this must be because of your past. Surely you deserve this. You know, if he would have known any of this before he married you, then he probably wouldn't have married you to begin with. You are never going to be enough. Something is wrong with you. Or what about the questions that we all ask ourselves on the dark night in the middle of the wait? God, are you even real? God, is any of this even real? Why am I doing any of it? Church, I wonder what would happen though if we got a lot less mad about how we ended up here and how we were going to get out of here. And instead we decided that we were actually gonna get real, real mad together at the enemy and how he has tried to steal and kill and destroy. I wonder if we would get more mad about how he has tried to distract and discourage us in the middle of the wait, but most of all, to take us out of the purpose that God has for our life. I wanna know if anybody else in here today, if anybody else would actually stand to your feet right now where you are at, all across 
I want you to repeat after me as an act of faith in here today. I want you to say, today I have a purpose. Today God is doing a new thing. Lord, have your way in me. Give praise up to him. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.